Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. James chapter 1 and verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law the law of liberty, and abides by it. Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. I call this a a look in the mirror message. The Bible says we're to not be hearers of the word, but doers only, and we're supposed to look at himself in the word like in a mirror. And when we see something that doesn't quite conform, Rather than just say, oh my, oh well, so be it, and walk away, we're supposed to let the word work in us, so the word begin to change us. So every once in a while, you need to look in the mirror, of, you look in the word as a mirror, and you say, God, what, what part of my life? I, it's, I mean, that, that's kind of what I do when I read my Bible. It's like, God, how do I need to change? How do I, need to, I need to conform to this the best I know how, the best I can. Show me, Lord, where I need to, where I come up short, you know, where my... Where my my reflection doesn't look like what I'm looking at. Rather than just walk away and say, well, you know, that we're, no one's perfect and, and God understands. And no, I think God would say, shape up. <laughs> I gave you my Holy Spirit, you can do it. Praise the Lord. So, uh, I don't know, that's what I call a, a look in the mirror message. So here we go, praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and in Mark and Luke's gospel, it says, with all your strength. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. When someone comes to God, when someone turns their life over to the Lord, when the Bible says we, we become partakers of the divine nature. God does something on the inside of us. He makes us new creation, new creatures. He doesn't just clean up the old man. He gets rid of the old man. He makes us a whole new person on the inside. Praise God. Made in the image of God. Declared righteous by God. I tell you, I never get sick of meditating on that. My new nature, what God has done in me. And uh, we're changed. But not only on the inside, that change 
should at some point begin to be manifested on the outside. We should see a change in someone's life. Remember what Jesus said? He said, he said a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And he says, by their fruit you shall know them. I remember Pastor Greg called me, Pastor Greg Bale in Long Island. A couple of years back now, he called me on the phone one day. And he, said, he said, how do you know if someone's saved? And I thought, you already know the answer. You tell me. I mean, you're, you're just, you know, people, they, they want to see what you're going to say. Well, and he said, well, the Bible says by their fruits you shall know them. That's how you know if someone's saved. Their life changes. They're not the same person they used to be. They don't even have to tell you that they've accepted it. Something's different. All of a sudden, some of them walk up to you and say, what's happening to you? You're different. You talk different. You act different. What's going on, you know? But that's what happens to us when we come to God. We become new per a new person. And things change. We begin to talk differently. We begin to act differently. We're not, we're not as selfish and self-centered. We're not as foul-mouthed or critical or judgmental. You know? I think of Saul of Tarsus, you know, this radical Christian-killing Jew, and all of a sudden he just, he just flips, he becomes a whole different person. And that's what can happen to us, hallelujah. And uh, our lives change. The things we like, the things we dislike, I mean, all of a sudden we start, we're, we have a heart for God, we pray, we have we, hunger for the word, we love to go to church. I mean, is that you? I mean, is that, that's what, I know that's what happened to me. That's what happened to all of us, right? Praise the Lord. So we love God for what he's done in us and what he's done for us. But something else should happen. We should begin to love our neighbors as ourselves. We should begin to genuinely care for others for their well-being, for their spiritual and physical well-being. It's a characteristic. Caring for others has is, is always been a characteristic of, of true Christianity. Reaching out to those less fortunate. Reaching out to others who, who need God. Reaching out. Instead of just throwing them by the wayside and saying, well, we, I got mine and if you get yours, fine, but it doesn't bother me. It does bother me. But caring for others has always been a predominant character because that's the way God is. And we've, be, we've been born, like, we've been born into, as the, into the image of God. We've been made into his image, in likeness. And he cares for others. So much so, well, we know, it says in John's gospel, that God so loved the world, that what? That he gave. He, he gave whatever it took for, to redeem mankind, whatever the cost, whatever the price, was not too high. He gave it all for us. And that's where we're supposed to be. One of the chief characteristics of that new nature is, is compassion. I want to share for a little bit about compassion this morning. Several places in the Old Testament it declares that God is a compassionate God. And, it, and it's, it's often combined with, with others. It's like very, you see more than once in the Old Testament. It says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. There's, there's certain phrases that we find, that I at least I find going over and over again in the Scripture. 
One of them is that God is good and his mercy endures forever. That, I mean, that is, I bet I could find at least a dozen places in Scripture where it says God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good and his mercy. But God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's who God is. And if that's who God is, then that's who I need to be. And this, this message, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. Because I, I feel like, although I, I am compassionate to some degree, I feel like I could come up a little higher in that. And maybe it's a guy thing, I don't know. Maybe, you know, women maybe are just naturally more compassionate than men, I don't know. But God made them, seems like they made them softer and more caring and more patient. You know, that, I heard a guy one time say, you know, if, if roles have been switched... If women were out working and guys were staying home taking care of the kids, there'd probably be about half as many people on the planet as there are now. Because we'd, we'd have killed half of them, you know. And I do care for others, but I feel like I, I could come up a notch, uh, or two or three. And my wife knows it. I mean, I, lo I do. I love people. I really do. But sometimes you, you get a little frustrated. You know. But compassion is a word that's used very often to describe the, the ministry of Jesus. You know, toward a, lep toward a leper that came to him for healing. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And it says, it says Jesus moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him. He had compassion toward the spiritually lost. It says in Matthew chapter 9, he says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion for the sick and the infirmed. In Matthew 14 and other places, it says he, he felt compassion for them and healed their sick. It's another reason why you need to believe that God wants you well. Because he has, he's a compassionate God. He cares when we're suffering. He cares when we're sick, when we're battling sickness and disease. He cares. He cares for the hungry. When he was feeding the 5,000, it said, Jesus said, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. He cares for the emotionally distressed. The widow of Nain, it says when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her. She'd lost her only son. She was a widow. She had no means of support. God had compassion on her. and I'll, I'll fix this and raised him up. In the story of the prodigal son, the father who's a type of God, it says while he's, while he's still a long way off, this rebellious and backslidden child that was coming home. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to him, felt compassion for him, ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. And for someone hopelessly in debt, you know, God cares about everything. The story of the servant who owed his master 10,000 talents and kind of fell down and said, God, have mercy on me and I'll, I'll repay it all. It says the, the master felt compassion for, his, for that slave and forgave him everything. Amazing. It cost that guy 10,000 talents. He just released the debt. 
Doesn't mean you can call your credit card company tomorrow and, and say, have a little compassion, because they're not compassion. If you've ever been in a place where they call you, you know that. <laughs> but a heart of compassion for others that are hurting, for others that have less, something that we should all have. Compassion, it says, is the response to the suffering of others that motivates a desire to help. And I saw one definition. So it differs from pity. Is a pity, pity feels sorry for somebody, but it doesn't necessarily motivate us to do anything. But compassion motivates us to do something, to help in some way, to go out of their way, either physical, in a spirit, physical sense, or spiritual, or emotional. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't always mean giving people money. But sometimes just a compassionate, a compassionate heart will spend time praying for someone. Helping them in some way. Praying for them. Babysitting for them. Whatever. In Luke chapter 10 is the story of the Good Samaritan. I know we know it, but I feel like I need to read it. Luke chapter 10. And this follows Luke's account of the same question about what's the greatest commandment. He said, in verse 27, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. I mean, this is the, the, the man answering Jesus. And he said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But wishing to justify himself, he said, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest, a fellow Jewish brother, a priest going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, also a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. King James says he had, he had compassion on him. You have to understand. I mean, this, this, doesn't, this doesn't mean that much to us. But in Jesus' day, you have to understand, the Jews hated the Samaritans, mistreated them. If you were a Samaritan, you could not testify in a Jewish code of law. And you know, it's one thing to say a Samaritan got beat up and a Jewish man came along and had compassion on him. But it is amazing that a Samaritan, someone who's been mistreated and abused and ostracized, and, and all of a sudden he comes and he looks at this Jewish man it's like his enemy. You remember at the well, the woman at the well, she says, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. I mean, they, they wouldn't even talk to him. They wouldn't even give him the time of day. Wouldn't even respect him in any way. But this good man, this Samaritan, comes and he sees this Jewish person just beat up and laying there bloody. And what does he do? He takes it upon himself to help. It's remarkable. When he came to him, he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. 
put him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. My God. On the next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more we spend when I, whatever more you spend when I return, I'll repay you. What obligation is there? What responsibility does he have to this man? None, none whatsoever. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among into robbers' hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, and this is the most important words in this whole parable. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Have compassion on those who are less fortunate. Sometimes following what compassion would motivate us to do will be inconvenient, time-consuming, maybe even costly. But it says in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, it says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, that's us, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know what? That's not always easy. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking this when I was getting ready. It's easy to obey the first commandment in the sense that there's nothing about God that's not to like. Right? I mean, he's not offensive. He's, I mean, there's, he's kind. He's gentle. I mean, you name it. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's merciful. He's, he's everything. So when it says we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, I mean, to me, that's, that's fairly easy. He's, he's wonderful. He's, he's pure love. He's holy. He's righteous. There's nothing, there's nothing offensive about him. But when it says we're to love our neighbor, I mean, now, I mean, maybe our neighbor's a jerk. Maybe he's a foul-mouthed liar. I mean... Come on, people are flawed. God, there's no, no flaw in God. I mean, loving our neighbor is a, different, is a different story. That may not be too easy. But he, here's, here's, what, here's what God gives us the guideline. That's why God says, he doesn't just say love your neighbor. What does he say? Love your neighbor as yourself, because we all love ourselves. I heard someone one time say, we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. In other words, if someone pulls out in front of me, it's like, what are you, where'd you get your license? Sears and Roebuck? I mean, get off the road. What are you doing? Arr, you know. But if I pull out in front of someone and they beep their horn at me, it's like, give me a break. I didn't see, you know, I mean, you don't understand. I'm in a hurry. Or I didn't see you or whatever. I, I, I'm always justifying my error, but someone else I'm judging. I know you've never done that, 
I'm just being honest. Which, by the way, before I forget, you need to get Wednesday's tape of Frank's testimony. He gave a testimony on Wednesday night of, of how he's battled a, a spirit of rejection. And uh, you need to get it. It'll really help you. Thank you, Frank, for sharing that, being so honest. Because, you know, sometimes people think, you know, they look at, so I'll, I'll get back on track in just a minute. Someone remember where I was. You know, sometimes you look at a certain person and you say, well, they got it all together. They teach Bible study. He's a lawyer. You know, and you don't understand that even everybody can have a battle. Even when you've been a Christian for several years, you can still have a battle. And I think that just that fact can put, a lot, can put hope in a lot of people. That there's a victory that was won and... After a period of time, it took some time to win that victory. And God will do it for me, too. You know. Anyway, back to compassion. So God says we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. Remember what it says in Ephesians about the husband-wife relationship. It says, but no man ever hateth himself, but cares for himself. So even if people in our own views are not deserving of love and help and compassion, God commands us to love, to overcome evil with good. It's what he did for us. For while we were yet sinners, God, God died for us. The key is to be led by the Spirit. To be sensitive enough to the Spirit to say, God, what about this situation? See what it says in, what is, look what it says in First John. Let me just read a couple more scriptures and I'll be done. First John chapter 3. In First John chapter 3, so we know love by this. That he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. King James says, shutteth up his bowels of mercy. Or bowels of compassion. And closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue only, but in deed and in truth. It's what Jesus taught us when he said that we're to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and give drink to the thirsty, visit the sick and those who are in prison. So I'm looking in the mirror and I'm asking God to help me to be more compassionate than I am for those in need and to be willing to be used by him to help in whatever way we can. That doesn't mean you let someone just run all over you. I'm not saying that because there are people that will just drain you dry but to be led by the Spirit let the Spirit of God reveal things to us. And here's what, here's what I just want to close with this.
I feel like just let God know you're available. God, here I am. I want to be used of you. I want to touch a life in your name. I make myself available to you, Lord. And then let God do the rest. Let him show you. Let him bring people, let him bring events into your life or people into your life where you can be the instrument of help for them in some way. And God will do it. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to love others as much as we love ourselves. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.